section twenty eight of smithsonian institution united states national museum bulletin two forty contributions from the museum of history and technology papers thirty four through forty four on science and technology by museum of history and technology this librivox recording is in the public domain paper forty four development of gravity pendulums in the nineteenth century by victor f lenzen and robert p multoff part three pierce into forges invariable reversible pendulums the repsol bessel reversible pendulum was designed and initially used to make absolute determinations of gravity not only at initial stations such as q the observatory in paris and the smithsonian institution in washington d c but also at stations in the field an invariable pendulum with a single knife edge however is adequate for relative determinations as we have seen such invariable pendulums has been used by bougier and cater and after the experiences with the repsol apparatus had been recommended again by bayer for relative determinations but an invariable pendulum is subject to uncontrollable changes of length pierce proposed to detect such changes in an invariable pendulum in the field by combining the invariable and reversible principles he explained his proposal to fay in a letter dated july twenty third eighteen eighty and he presented it on september sixteenth eighteen eighty at the fourth session of the sixth general conference of the europäische gradmessung in munich as recorded in the proceedings of the conference pierce wrote but i obviate it in making my pendulum both invariable and reversible every alteration of the pendulum will be revealed immediately by the change of the difference of the two periods of oscillation in the two positions once discovered it will be taken account of by means of new measures of the distance between the two supports pierce added that it seemed to him that if the reversible pendulum perhaps is not the best instrument to determine absolute gravity it is on condition that it be truly invariable the best to determine relative gravity pierce further stated that he would wish that the pendulum be formed of a tube of drawn brass with heavy plugs of brass equally drawn the cylinder would be terminated by two hemispheres the knives would be attached to tongues fixed near the ends of the cylinder during the years eighteen eighty one and eighteen eighty two four invariable reversible pendulums were made after the design of pierce at the office of the u s coast and geodetic survey in washington d c the report of the superintendent for the year eighteen eighty to eighteen eighty one states a new pattern of the reversible pendulum has been invented having its surface as nearly as convenient in the form of an elongated ellipsoid three of these instruments have been constructed two having a distance of one meter between the knife edges and a third a distance of one yard it is proposed to swing one of the meter pendulums at a temperature near thirty two degrees fahrenheit at the same time that the yard is swung at sixty degrees fahrenheit in order to determine anew the relation between the yard and the meter the report for eighteen eighty one to eighteen eighty two mentions four of these pierce pendulums a description of the pierce invariable reversible pendulums was given by assistant e d preston in determinations of gravity and the magnetic elements in connection with the united states scientific expedition to the west coast of africa eighteen eighty nine to ninety the invariable reversible pendulum 
Pierce No. 4, now preserved in the Smithsonian Institution's Museum of History and Technology, may be taken as typical of the meter pendulums. In the same memoir, Preston gives the diameter of the tube as 63.7 millimeters, thickness of tube 1.5 millimeters, weight 10.68 kilograms, and distance between the knives 1.000 meter. The combination of invariability and reversibility in the Pierce pendulums was an innovation for relative determinations. Indeed, the combination was criticized by Major J. Herschel, R.E., of the Indian Survey, at a conference on gravity held in Washington in May 1882, on the occasion of his visit to the United States, for the purpose of connecting English and American stations by relative determinations with three cater invariable pendulums. These three pendulums have been designated as numbers 4 and 6, 1821, and 11. Another novel characteristic of the Pierce pendulums was the mainly cylindrical form. Professor George Gabriel Stokes, in a paper on the effect of the eternal friction of fluids on the motion of pendulums, that was read to the Cambridge Philosophical Society on December 9, 1850, had solved the hydrodynamical equations to obtain the resistance to the motions of a sphere and a cylinder in a viscous fluid. Pierce had studied the effect of viscous resistance on the motion of his Repsold-Bessel pendulum, which was symmetrical in form, but not cylindrical. The mainly cylindrical form of his pendulums permitted Pierce to predict from Stokes' theory the effect of viscosity and to compare the results with experiment. His report on November 20, 1889, in which he presented the comparison of experimental results with the theory of Stokes, was not published. Pierce used his pendulums in 1883 to establish a station at the Smithsonian Institution that was to serve as the base station for the Coast and Geodetic Survey for some years. Pendulum Pierce No. 1 was swung at Washington in 1881 and was then taken by the party of Lieutenant Greeley, USA, on an expedition to Lady Franklin Bay, where it was swung in 1882 at Fort Conger, Grinnelland, Canada. Pierce numbers 2 and 3 were swung by Pierce in 1882 at Washington, D.C., Hoboken, New Jersey, Montreal, Canada, and Albany, New York. Assistant Preston took Pierce number 3 on a U.S. eclipse expedition to the Caroline Islands in 1883. Pierce, in 1885, swung pendulums numbers 2 and 3 at Ann Arbor, Michigan, Madison, Wisconsin, and Ithaca, New York. Assistant Preston, in 1887, swung Pierce number 3 and 4 at stations in the Hawaiian Islands, and in 1890 he swung Pierce number 3 and 4 at stations on the west coast of Africa. The new pattern of pendulum designed by Pierce was also adopted in France, after some years of experience with a Repsold-Bessel pendulum. Pierce, in 1875, had swung his Repsol-Bessel pendulum at the observatory in Paris where Borda and Cassini and Biot had made historic observations, and where Sabine also had determined gravity by comparison with Cater's value at London. During the spring of 1880, Pierce made studies of the supports of the pendulums, of these earlier determinations, and calculated corrections to those results for hydrodynamic effects, viscosity, and flexure. On June 14, 1880, Pierce addressed the Academy of Sciences, Paris, 
on the value of gravity at Paris, and compared his results with the corrected results of Borda and Biot and with the transferred value of Cater. In the same year, the French Geographic Service of the Army acquired a Repsold-Bessel reversible pendulum of the smaller type, and de Forges conducted experiments with it. He introduced the method of measuring flexure from the movement of interference fringes during motion of the pendulum. He found an appreciable difference between dynamical and statical coefficients of flexure, and concluded that the correction formula of Pierce and Solarier is suited perfectly to practice and represents exactly the variation of period caused by swaying of the support, on the condition that one uses the statical coefficient. Deforges developed a theory for the employment of two similar pendulums of the same weight, but of different length, and hung by the same knives. This theory eliminated the flexure of the support and the curvature of the knives from the reduction of observations. Pendulums of one meter and of half meter distance between the knife edges were constructed from Deforges' design by Brunner Brothers in Paris. These Deforges' pendulums were cylindrical in form with hemispherical ends, like the Pierce pendulums, and were hung on knives that projected from the sides of the pendulum, as in some unfinished Gautier pendulums designed by Pierce in 1883 in Paris. Figure 21. Reversible Pendulum Apparatus of Deforges, as constructed by Brunner. Paris, about 1887. The clock and telescope used to observe coincidences are not shown. The telescope shown is part of an interferometer used to measure flexure of support. One mirror of the interferometer is attached to the pendulum support, the other to the separate masonry pillar at the left. Figure 23. The overall size of portable pendulum apparatus was greatly reduced with the introduction of this half-second apparatus in 1887 by the Austrian military officer Robert von Sternick. Used with a vacuum chamber not shown here, the apparatus is only about two feet high. Coincidences are observed by the reflection of a periodic electric spark in two mirrors, one on the support and the other on the pendulum itself. Von Sternick and Mendenhall Pendulums While scientists who had used the Repsol-Bessel pendulum apparatus discussed its defects and limitations for gravity surveys, Major Robert von Sternick of Austria-Hungary began to develop an excellent apparatus for the rapid determination of relative values of gravity. Major von Sternick's apparatus contained a non-reversible pendulum, one quarter of a meter in length, and half-second time of swing. The pendulum was hung by a single knife edge, which rested on a plate that was supported by a tripod. The pendulum was swung in a chamber from which air was exhausted, and which could be maintained at any desired temperature. Times of swing were determined by the observation of coincidences of the pendulum with chronometer signals. In the final form, a small mirror was attached to the knife edge, perpendicular to the plane of vibration of the pendulum, and a second fixed mirror was placed close to it, so that the two mirrors were parallel when the pendulum was at rest. The chronometer signals worked a relay that gave a horizontal spark, which was reflected into the telescope from the mirrors. When the pendulum was at rest, the image of the spark in both mirrors appeared on the horizontal cross-wire in the telescope, 
and during oscillation of the pendulum the two images appeared in that position upon coincidence in view of the reduced size of the pendulum the chamber in which it was swung was readily portable and with an improved method of observing coincidences relative determinations of gravity could be made with rapidity and accuracy by eighteen eighty seven major von steinach had perfected his apparatus and it was widely adopted in europe for relative determinations of gravity he used his apparatus in extensive gravity surveys and also applied it in the silver mines in saxony and bohemia by the previously described methods of airy for investigations into the internal constitution of the earth on july one eighteen eighty nine thomas corwin mendenhall became superintendent of the u s coast guard and geodetic survey earlier he had been professor of physics at the university of tokyo and had directed observations of pendulums for the determination of gravity on fujiyama and at tokyo superintendent mendenhall with the cooperation of members of his staff in washington designed a new pendulum apparatus of the von sternick type and in october of eighteen ninety he ordered construction of the first model like the von sternick apparatus the mendenhall pendulum apparatus employed a non-reversible invariable pendulum one quarter of a meter in length and of slightly more than one half second in time of swing initially the knife edge was placed in the head of the pendulum and hung on a fixed plane support but after some experimentation mendenhall attached the plane surface to the pendulum and hung it on a fixed knife edge an apparatus was provided with a set of three pendulums so that if discrepancies appeared in the results the pendulum at fault could be detected there was also a dummy pendulum which carried a thermometer a pendulum was swung in a receiver in which the pressure and temperature of air were controlled the time of swing was measured by coincidences with the beat of a chronometer the coincidences were determined by an optical method with the aid of a flash apparatus figure twenty five mendenhall's quarter meter half second apparatus shown on the left is the flash apparatus and on the right the vacuum chamber within which the pendulum is swung the flash apparatus consists of a kerosene lantern and a telescope mounted on a box containing an electromagnetically operated shutter the operation of the shutter is controlled by a chronograph not shown so that it emits a slit of light at regular intervals the telescope is forced on two mirrors within the apparatus one fixed the other attached to the top of the pendulum it is used to observe the reflection of the flashes from these mirrors when the two reflections are aligned a coincidence is marked on the coronagraph tape the second telescope attachment to the bottom of the vacuum chamber is for observing the amplitude of the pendulum swing the flash apparatus was contained in a light metal box which supported an observing telescope and which was mounted on a stand within the box was an electromagnetic whose coils were connected with a chronometer circuit and whose armature carried a long arm that moved two shutters in both of which were horizontal slits of the same size the shutters were behind the front face of the box which also had a horizontal slit a flash of light from an oil lamp or an electric spark was emitted from the box when the circuit was broken but not when it was closed when the circuit was broken a spring caused the arm to rise and the shutters were actuated so that the three slits came into line 
and a flash of light was emitted. A small circular mirror was set in each side of the pendulum head, so that from either face of the pendulum the image of the illuminated slit could be reflected into the field of the observing telescope. A similar mirror was placed parallel to these two mirrors and rigidly attached to the support. The chronometer signals broke the circuit, causing the three slits momentarily to be in line, and when the images of the slit and the two mirrors coincided, a coincidence was observed. A coincidence occurred whenever the pendulum gained or lost one oscillation on the beat of the chronometer. The relative intensity of gravity was determined by observations with the first Mendenhall apparatus at Washington, D.C., at stations on the Pacific coast and in Alaska, and at the Stevens Institute, Hoboken, New Jersey, between March and October 1891. Figure 26. Vacuum receiver within which the Mendenhall pendulum is swung. The pressure is reduced to about 50 millimeters to reduce the disturbing effects of air resistance. When the apparatus is sealed, the pendulum is lifted on the knife edge by the lever Q and is started to swing by the lever R. The arc of swing is only about one degree. The stationary mirror is shown at G. The pendulum, shown in outline in the center, is only about 9.7 inches long. Under Superintendent Mendenhall's direction, a smaller, quarter-second pendulum apparatus was also constructed and tested, but did not offer advantages over the half-second apparatus, which therefore continued in use. In accordance with Pierce's theory of the flexure of the stand under oscillations of the pendulum, determinations of the displacement of the receiver or the Mendenhall apparatus were part of a relative determination of gravity by members of the Coast and Geodetic Survey. Initially, a statical method was used, but during 1908 through 1909, members of the survey adapted the Michelson interferometer for the determinations of flexure during oscillations from the shift of fringes. The first Mendenhall pendulums were made of bronze, but about 1920, Invar was chosen because of its small coefficient of expansion. About 1930, Lieutenant E.J. Brown of the Coast and Geodetic Survey made significant improvements in the Mendenhall apparatus and the new form came to be known as the Brown Pendulum Apparatus. Figure 27. The Michelson Interferometer. The horizontal component of the force acting on the knife edge through the swinging pendulum causes the support to move in unison with the pendulum, and thereby affects the period of the oscillation. This movement is the so-called flexure of the pendulum support, and must be taken into account in the most accurate observations. In 1907, the Michelson interferometer was adopted to this purpose by the U.S. Coast and Geodetic Survey. As shown here, the interferometer resting on a wooden beam is introduced into the path of a light beam reflected from a mirror on the vacuum chamber. Movement of that mirror causes a corresponding movement in the interference fringes in the interferometer, which can be measured. The original von Sternick apparatus and that of Mendenhall provided for the oscillation of one pendulum at a time. After the adoption of the von Sternick pendulum in Europe, there were developed stands on which two or four pendulums hung at the same time. This procedure provided a convenient way to observe more than one invariable pendulum at a station for the purpose of detecting changes in length. 
Professor M. Hayde of Karlsruhe, in 1896, described a four-pendulum apparatus, and Dr. Schumann of Potsdam subsequently described a two-pendulum apparatus. The multiple-pendulum apparatus then provided a method of determining the flexure of the stand from the action of one pendulum upon a second pendulum hung on the same stand. This method of determining the correction for flexure was a development from a Wipfefahrung invented at the Geodetic Institute in Potsdam. A dynamometer was used to impart periodic impulses to the stand, and the effect was observed upon a pendulum initially at rest. Refinements of this method led to the development of a method used by Lorenzoni in 1885-1886 to determine the flexure of the stand by action of an auxiliary pendulum upon the principal pendulum. Dr. Schumann, in 1899, gave a mathematical theory of such determinations, and in his paper cited the mathematical methods of Pearson Celerier for the theory of phase proposal at Stuttgart in 1877 to swing two similar pendulums on the same support with equal amplitudes and in opposite phases. In 1902, Dr. P. Fertfangler presented the mathematical theory of coupled pendulums in a paper in which he referred to Fay's proposal of 1877, and reported that the difficulties predicted upon its application had been found not to occur. Finally, during the gravity survey of Holland in the years 1913 through 1921, in view of instability of supports caused by the mobility of the soil, F. A. Venning Minitz adopted Fay's proposed method of swinging two pendulums on the same support. The observations were made with the ordinary Stuckrath apparatus, in which four von Sternick pendulums swung two by two in planes perpendicular to each other. This successful application of the method, which had been proposed by Fay, and had been demonstrated theoretically to be sound by Pierce, who also published a design for its application, was rapidly followed for pendulum apparatus for relative determinations by Potsdam, Cambridge, England. Gulf Oil and Development Company, and the Dominion Observatory at Ottawa. Heiskanen and Venigminitz state, the best way to eliminate the effect of flexure is to use two synchronized pendulums of the same length, swinging on the same apparatus, in the same plane, and with the same amplitudes, but in opposite phases. It is clear, then, the flexure is zero. In view of the fact that the symmetrical, reversible pendulum is named for Bessel, who created the theory, and a design for its application by Repsold, it appears appropriate to call the method of eliminating flexure by swinging two pendulums on the same support the Fay-Pierce method. Its successful application was made possible by Major von Sternick's invention of the short quarter-meter pendulum. Figure 30. The accumulated data of gravity observations over the Earth's surface have indicated that irregularities such as mountains do not have the effect which would be expected in modifying gravity, but are somehow compensated for. The most satisfactory solution to this still unanswered question has been the theory of isostasy, according to which variations in the density of the material in the Earth's crust produce a kind of hydrostatic equilibrium between its higher and lower parts as they float on the Earth's fluid core. The metals of different density floating in mercury in this diagram illustrate isotasy according to the theory of Pratt and Hayford. End of section 28.